Our reading this morning comes from the book of Romans, chapter 12, I'm reading verses 1 through to verse 8. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. And if it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. And this, friends, is the word of the Lord. Let's take a moment to pray before we turn to God's word. Lord, uh, it's good for us to stop and pray for the year that's gone and the year that's still to come. We think upon our world that we live in internationally over the last year, Lord, and there are many terrible things that have happened. And fortunately, there are some good things that have happened. Lord, as we reflect upon the world that we live in internationally, we dare to pray for peace, Lord, in the midst of so, many, so much strife and so much trouble. We dare to commit, Lord, this world that we live in to you and seek your grace. As we think upon our nation, Lord, again, we reflect upon a year where we've seen so many sad events and yet such goodness and encouragement as well. And so again, we pray for our nation. We are called to pray for our leaders and we pray for our Prime Minister and Premier of Tasmania, local government leaders, Mayor. We commit their leadership to you, Lord. We are so grateful that compared to so many parts of the world, Lord, we live with such freedom and in spite of our whinging, Lord, we live in a place that is so well organised and uh, has such, so few problems compared to so many parts of the world. We dare to pray, Lord, that this would not just be something we take for granted. Lord, we think of our, our island that we live on, Tasmania, and we commit, Lord, this island to you for another year. We know that this island has its challenges, challenges of, of employment, social disadvantage, challenges of health and education. And yet, Lord, we have such blessing as well. We look out upon that blue ocean to our north, Lord, we're reminded 
that the grace we have from you, Lord, to live every day in your strength. Father, as we reflect upon our own lives, we think of the challenges before every member who is here this morning. Challenges of employment, of health, of relationships, and the challenges that our spiritual life will bring us, Lord, in this next year. Again, we look forward with strength, Lord, to a new year. Not our own strength, but your strength. Relying upon your grace and your strength for the challenges that are before us. Finally, we do pray for our church. We are very grateful, Lord, for this difficult time when the minister's been on leave, but for your provision. Thank you so much for the leadership of so many in this congregation, Lord, who have stood up to serve you during this time. Particularly, we think of the ministry, the leadership and the giftedness of Peter and uh, of John and um, Terry. <laughs> Sorry. We thank, we thank you for Terry, Lord, and for John and for all that they have given to this church over many years, but particularly, Lord, over this last few months. We are grateful, Lord, for their service and their leadership in this difficult time. So, Lord, bless your church that we may be a blessing to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Sorry, Terry, I had a senior moment there. I forgot your name. How can I... It's embarrassing, isn't it? How... It's okay, there's a few here, there's a few who are sympathising with me. This Sunday between Christmas and New Year has always been an odd one and uh, a few years ago I, I tried to think of how could I approach it as a, as a preacher differently and um, I don't have any slides, for, oh I do have slides for you this morning but the, the, something's gone wrong with the technology and John's not here to fix it so uh, they've, they've sort of PowerPoints misted into the uh, oblivion so these lovely slides that I presented for you are blank, but anyway, you can imagine. I have a photo up here of a, of a very distinguished English gentleman by the name of John Stott. Some of you remember John Stott, he was probably one of the finest preachers of the 20th century. Stott wrote a book called I Believe in Preaching, and in that book he explained the job of the preacher, and I don't think there's any better description of it. He describes the job of the preacher is to straddle the two worlds, that is to go back to the world of the scriptures and understand what that word is saying, that the preacher might enlighten God's people about God's word. But the second part of the job is to then straddle that word back to this world, to build bridges back to the ancient world where it's written and then to our modern world. What the scholars have called the job of both exegesis and hermeneutics exegesis is the going back and saying what did it mean in its context and then the hermeneutics is what it means today now the reality for most ministers is you go to bible college and they teach you how to do exegesis but you can't teach anybody to do hermeneutics it's not simple it's not exegesis is a sort of a, a sort of a thing that's teachable hermeneutics is more dynamic the one of the preachers that trained me said you have to be thinking about who's sitting in that aisle, in that row. What does this word say to us today? So my normal practice is to start with the Bible. So in the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at a couple of Psalms. I'll start with the Bible and I'll then try and understand it, what it meant in its context. And then I'll think about what it means today. But this one Sunday of the year, I do it in reverse. I start with the world and the year that we've had and what we're looking forward to. And then go back to the scriptures to ask the question, well, what, what does the word say to our year? 
So let's think about it firstly, about the year that we've just had, 2023. And uh, because I don't have a PowerPoint, I still have um, alliteration. And the first, I have a few W's for you this morning. So the first W of the 2023 was war. And as I look back in my notes, I just looked at my computer, a number of these uh, year in review sermons that I've done, war features almost in every one of these sermons over many years. But this last year has probably been worse than most. The war in Ukraine continues almost at a stalemate until yesterday when it escalated back to life. 10,000 civilians have died in the Ukraine war. 200,000 have been injured. Currently, the um, military death and injury rate is approaching half a million. Between the two countries, there are two million troops fighting. Ukraine has lost a tenth of its territory, and if you count the, tri- the Crimea, a, 20th, uh, a, 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 a fifth, 20%. At best estimates, that war is costing $500 million to $1 billion every day. And then there's Israel and Hamas. Before the attack on the 30th of October, before the attack on October, um, 30 uh, rockets had killed people in Israel, and 250 Palestinians had been killed by Israeli forces before this conflict. In August 2023, the Israelis held 1,263 Palestinians in detention without charge or trial the highest number in 30 years. On the 7th of October, on a Jewish holiday, 50 years almost to the day after the Yom Kippur War, 5,000 rockets were fired out of Gaza into Israel in 20 minutes. With that came a coordinated series of attacks that led to 240 hostages being taken and over 1,000 killed. Since then, 20,000 Palestinians have died. Is there any connection between Ukraine and Israel and Gaza? Well, we hope not, but there probably is. That is, Hamas is backed by Iran and Iran is backed by Russia. And as bad as it's been in 2023, we hope it will only get better in 2024, but it could get a lot worse. But that's not the only war going on. There's wars in Myanmar and Africa and Ethiopia and Sudan and Burkina Faso and drug war in Mexico and the list goes on. And it's easy to despair, isn't it? So as we look back on last year, we think about war and we think about weather. Um, No matter what your uh, politics is, the science seems overwhelming that the globe is getting hotter. There have been terrible cyclones during the year in Madagascar, Mozambique, Malawi. Extreme weather in uh, Italy reached 48.2 degrees, Tunisia 49 degrees, Morocco 50 degrees, Algeria 49.2. Canada's wildfire season was well beyond any perceived record. The total area burnt nationally was 18 million hectares. There were storms off the Horn of Africa, long-term drought in Central America, South America, in Argentina and Uruguay, and the list goes on and on and on. And the world is faced with this seemingly unsolvable problem. How do we reduce greenhouse emissions and also maintain our standard of living? No one's got a solution. The only solution is move to Tasmania. 
Um, that's why I went in. I did a year ago, but you know, there was even a thunderstorm here last week or two weeks ago. Who'd have believed it? War and weather could lead us to despair, but there's been good things happen last year, hasn't there? The King's coronation on the 6th of May. Did you watch the King's coronation? It started with a little boy coming forward and reminding Charles because the little boy came forward and welcomed Charles to the coronation in the name of the King of Kings. At the heart of the British monarchy is the concept that there's a God who overrules humanity, who overrules government. There was a Matilda's success. How many of you watched Matilda's? Anybody? Oh, a few. Good. There were good things happened politically. It was good that the Australian Prime Minister got to China this year and tried to mend some of those relationships. There were good things happened. And for me, at a personal level, I'll, I'll, uh, one of my highlights this year, I think, was the carol services here last week, where we met together. As uh, Two things stand out for me from that. The first is that Alison Wishard told me during the week that she was sick of her attitude being wrong at Christmas. <laughs> she was sick of the fact that consumerism used to get it down every year, the world's messed up view of Christmas, and that used to sort of impact on her to the point that she lost her joy and she was determined to do something about it this year. She made some suggestions to the elders and myself and some other ideas came together and I think we had a wonderful celebration. One other member of the congregation said to me, what he most appreciated about our celebration was how Christ-centred it was. And I thought afterwards, how else should it be at Christmas? <laughs> but nevertheless, that was encouraging. In the midst of all the struggles, there's a little bit of encouragement. But what do we think if we think forward to next year? What could go right and what could go wrong? It leads many to worry, doesn't it? If you think of all that could go wrong next year in the world or in our own lives, it leads many to worry. But I want to leave you with one W word from the scriptures today. That is a much better way of approaching a new year than worry. And that's the word worship. Now, you might think, oh, this is a harp from the minister. He's going to get stuck into us and tell us we have to come to church every Sunday this year and worship. And I'm not saying that. Oh, I'm, I'm, not, not, I'm not, not saying that. But that's not what I'm saying. Terry read to us these words from the book of Romans. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to him, this is your true and proper worship. There is no greater therefore in the whole scriptures than the therefore in Romans 12. That little start that Terry, the first word that Terry read, therefore, goes back to all that Paul has said in the preceding 11 chapters of Romans. Before he goes to tell us what he wants us to do, he says, therefore. As a response to the first 11 chapters, and my lovely PowerPoint now describes to you quickly each of those 11 chapters, but let me do it. Romans 1 says, what's the problem? We're all under the judgment of God. Why? Because we're sinners. Romans 2 says God is just. He's a good God, but he's a just God. 
If he was not a just God, he would not be a good God. And Romans 3 says that God is faithful and loving. And Romans 4 reminds us, like Abraham, our only hope faced with the judgment of God is his mercy and his grace. And that hasn't changed from Abraham's day. And Romans 5 tells us that at just the right time, when we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. And that we have peace with Christ because of all that he's done. And Romans 6 tells us that in Adam all humanity fell and in Christ all are risen. And Romans 7 tells us that, yes, we continue to struggle with sin. We often do what we don't want to do and don't do what we should do. And, oh, what a wretched man that I am. And who will deliver me from this body? Only Christ. And Romans 8, which is one of the greatest chapters of the scriptures, tells us, amongst other things, that our present suffering is not worth comparing the glory that will be revealed And no matter how much war and how much weather problems there is, nothing will separate us. And I was going to go into, and how much wokeness there is, nothing will separate us from the love of God. And then Romans 9 to 11 reminds us that God is sovereign and in control and has plans and purposes and wills and sovereignly calls us. And then after these incredible 11 chapters, An exhausted apostle in some dingy place writes these words. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his path beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counsellor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. And then he says, therefore, see, it's a big therefore, isn't it? Therefore, in view of all that God has done, he says, be living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him. In the relationship world, when a young boy and a young girl start to get together, somewhere along the line, one of them, or maybe together, they'll both use the L word. The love word. It's a big deal in a relationship when you first use the L word. Historically, we didn't use the L word lightly. It was maybe even used too sparingly, those of us with sort of English traditions. Today it's used very lightly. Radio hosts at the end of their, you know, farewell say, love you. Oh, it drives me crazy. Um... To say I love you means absolutely nothing unless you do love the person. The word is meaningless unless it's full of action. And therefore Paul is saying, in view of God's mercy, therefore live your lives as living sacrifices. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Not dead sacrifices like the Old Testament, no living sacrifices, using all that God has given us to bring honour to his life. Do not, verse 2, conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
Fascinating passage, this. We often, as Christians, emphasise the soul. Paul only mentions here the body and the mind. Offer your body as a living sacrifice and renew your mind that you might be transformed, not to be like the world, but to be different. In my view, there's nothing wrong with living in the world, being part of the world, but we also want to be transformed from the world. Then you'll be able to test God's will, his good and perfect will. So you might be listening saying, well, Richard, are you saying that the way to avoid war, global warming and worry is to go to church and to cut ourselves from off from all that? No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying to close our eyes to the world. I'm saying that at the heart of the Christian response to a year that's gone and a year that's coming, is that we can make a difference by honouring God with our lives. The problems of the world are not going to go away. And what, what I've noticed, certainly in my life, is that as I get older, it's easy just to get cranky. <laughs> what was that? Yeah, well, it is. It is. I, I, I'm glad there's no grumpy old women. Um, I'm glad it's only a male problem. There are. <laughs> But that, why do we get grumpier or crankier as we get older? Because we get cynical, we get jarred, we get the despairing of the world that we live in. And I think that as, as Christians, we're called not to be grumpy. We're called not to be grumpy, old men, not to be cranky. But to put our trust in the living God that we can make a difference. Living sacrifices, wholly pleasing to him. Now you might be sitting there going, well... What are you talking about? Can you give me an example, Richard? Well, let me give you a few examples that I've seen in this place. Kerry and Lynn, who I don't think are here today, fostered a little child and have done so with hundreds of, or dozens of little children. Oliver, which we, many of us met at Christmas. Should every one of us be fostering a child? No, that's not what I'm saying. That particular couple believe that's their calling. They believe that's their expression of being living sacrifices. Praise the Lord for that. Some weeks ago, we farewelled Bianca Williamson, who's heading off to Bible college. She's heading off to Bible college to do a year in God's word, that she might know God's word better, that she might be equipped for service. Am I saying that everybody... Oh, yes, sir! <laughs> Who needs an overhead projector when you've got that sort of uh, theatre? Well done. Thank you, Kerry. <laughs> oh, that's good. I like that. Thank you, Kerry and Lynn and, and uh, Oliver. As I said, Bianca uh, heading off to do a year of Bible college. Should every believer go off to do a year of Bible college? No, I'm not saying that. That's what she believes God put on her heart to be a living sacrifice. A, a young man, member of the congregation, I don't think he's here this morning, came up to me just, just over, the Christmas, over the Christmas period and said, would it be possible that I could be baptised? Well, praise the Lord for that. Right? There's a young man, there's a lot of pressure on young people today to, not tran to be transformed by the world. But he wanted to stand up and be different and make a public statement that he doesn't want to be transformed 
by, he wants to he wants to transform his mind so the world doesn't take hold of him. I got told a story that young Chris here in, in the uh, in the wheelchair has was seen last year at one stage, or it was last year or the year before, driving his wheelchair to church early in the rain to get here for the prayer meeting. Do you remember that day? Or maybe it was more than once. We are in Tassie, so it might have been more than once. But driving a wheelchair in the rain some distance to get here for a prayer meeting is being a living sacrifice. Is it not? Now, am I saying that every one of us needs to buy a wheelchair and drive in the rain and come to the prayer meeting? No, that's not what I'm saying. See what I'm trying to say? I'm trying to say that for different people, God is going to touch us in different ways to be living sacrifices. A number of the mums here in this church homeschool their children. Should everybody homeschool their children? Well, you talk to them. They'll probably say yes. But, but many of us haven't homeschooled their children. But they believe under God that's their calling. And for them, that's being a living sacrifice. Many of those women could be doing high-powered professional jobs, but they have felt God has called them to do this, to be living sacrifices. Again, as I'm saying, not everybody doing exactly the same thing, but God putting on our hearts. Before we, as we just as we were starting to come to this church, Wendy and I had come a couple of times, but we'd been, I'd been preaching in a, another church, we went for a walk in Penguin one day, and, and there's an old couple, older couple there, uh, <laughs> older couple there, they were just having a bit of a picnic uh, at, um, what's that beach called? Johnson's Beach at Penguin. And we walked past, and I think I said something to the older man, like, oh, that's a good place to have a cup of tea, and beautiful. Anyway, we get chatting, and uh, as a result of chatting, they, they shared with us a bit about who they were, and then they shared with us a, a little, um, they wanted to give us a little video, which some Christian bloke had put together. Of, you know who I'm talking about now, don't you? <laughs> huh? Who am I talking about? June and Barry, right? And they were reaching out with the love of Christ as they did their picnic on a Sunday afternoon. And then we told them, well, we already go to your church. We haven't been yet, uh, but we are coming. Should everybody do that every Sunday afternoon? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that's what God has put on their lives. And so the list goes on. God has called us to be living sacrifices and to make a difference. Worship is People get confused about this. What we do on Sunday is worship. We lift, it's cultic worship. We lift our hearts together in praise. It's saying to God, I love you. But what makes it meaningful is when we do love God the rest of the time. That's, our, that's the rest of our worship, being living sacrifices, being transformed. Christians get themselves into all lather about worship. And it divides us as Christians. For some, it's the contemporary rock scene now of Christian worship. For others, it's the mass. For others, it's the perfect for him Presbyterian sandwich. Um, yeah, yeah, Terry's on. Yeah, 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 what's wrong with that? That's right, that's right. We can chill a little bit about what we do on Sunday. There's different ways of saying I love you, surely. Maybe some better than others. 
But what's most important is that we live our lives as living sacrifices, wholly pleasing unto God. As we think back for the last year, 2023, did it go to plan? Not for most of us. Some of it did. Some of it went better than the plan, but often it didn't. And 2024, will it go to plan? Some of it will, some of it won't. The plan will be God's plan in the end, not ours. I don't know if you remember, those of you who were here on Christmas Eve, when Lynn shared, who's out the back, um, she shared, I asked her a question about, uh, you know, how has God always been there? And she said, well, he hasn't always answered my prayers exactly the way I would have, I would have liked. But that's partly what we have to do to be living sacrifices, except that God is sovereign and put our trust in him. Worship the whole of our lives. Let me just end by telling you one last story. Um, eight years ago yesterday, I sailed on HMAS Darwin out of Sydney Heads for seven and a half month deployment to Asia, India and in the Middle East. And it was, a, it was one of the most challenging, enjoyable, gut-wrenching times of my life. We had, I, I contacted my old captain yesterday and he said we had the best of times and the worst of times. We did. Sadly, we, tragically, we lost one of our sailors who died in the Middle East in Oman. One of our young guys. But one of the things that trip taught me was I, I'd lived on the east coast of Australia all my life. Now I live on the, and I live on the north coast of an island looking towards the mainland. But as I've always looked out on the east coast and as we now look out on the, to the north of Tasmania, what do you see? When you see sea. You see almost nothing, right? You see a bit of blue and it gets to the horizon. How far away is the horizon? Yeah, 12 nautical miles, right? That's, that's, you don't see very far. If you're a little bit higher, you see a little bit higher. All you see is to the 12 miles and you see nothing. But when you sail out of Sydney Harbour in a ship and you turn left... Well, where do you go? You go all over the New South Wales coast and the Queensland coast and you get to the top of Australia and you turn left again. And you literally do that. And you sail across the top of Australia and the whole world is there. And a Navy warship doesn't travel very fast. It only travels at about 26 knots, which is 40 kilometres an hour. It's a slow boat. But if you sail for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, it's amazing how far you get. And in that year, we circumnavigated the, the globe twice in distance, um, going around the world. So when you look out, there's seemingly nothing, but actually when you look out of Alveston Beach, everything's out there, everything. And that's what's before us this year, everything. <laughs> we don't know what our future is. It may be glorious, it may be unexpected, it may be tragic. But we put our trust in the living God in good times and in bad times. We seek to honour him with our lives, to be as living sacrifices, wholly pleasing unto him. That's our pure act of worship. Let's pray. Father, we do commit a new year to you. The world does so with lots of alcohol and lots of partying and fireworks. We have so much more, Lord, to look forward to and to accept from you than fireworks and alcohol. We have your sovereign hand upon us through good times and through bad. And we have a new opportunity, Lord, to be living sacrifices, to live our lives holy and pleasing to you. 
Lord, the Apostle Paul could look for opportunities to serve you even when he was in prison. And so, Lord, we commit this year, 2024, to you. And whatever circumstances that, in whichever way you lead us, we ask, Lord, that you would give us a fresh and clear vision, individually and as a church, for how we can indeed be living sacrifices. Amen.